had the special privilege this year of coaching, or at least helping to coach, a group of nine-year-old baseball players. And one of the new skills that they were learning was how to steal bases. And so we'd set up a first base for them, and we'd set up a second base. Sometimes it was on the field. Sometimes we'd practice over here in our in our gym. Can you be my shortstop? Okay. And at nine years old, it's a new concept for them, the idea that they are allowed, according to the rules, to lead off the base. And when the pitcher picks his foot up, they can steal. And so it is a brand new thing for pitchers and for catchers and especially for base runners because they, they, they like the safety of first base. They get to first and they're celebrating. They're excited. I made it to first. And so we have to work with them to say, now, the first base is great and we're glad that you got here. We're trying to get over there now. And so if we're going to do that, if we're going to steal second, the old adage in baseball goes, you can't steal second with your foot on first. So we tell them, you have to get a lead. And so take that first step. And you can tell, okay, is that good enough? No, 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 no. You're still way too close. If you're going to get there, you've got to get a little further. So we say, take another step. And this is when they start to get really nervous because first base is looking really far away now and maybe they can't get back safely. And we say one more. And they take that small little step, one more. No, 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 one more. And then the pitcher comes set and he picks that foot up and the first base coach says, go. And they take off running towards second base. You know, there's a tremendous amount of risk that's involved and for them some danger will i make it safely what's going to happen when i go they have to trust what the coach is telling they have to trust that you can't steal second with your foot on first base this series that we're in called go i think is a lot like this we're 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 looking at what does it mean to try to get to where god wants us to go he's sending us We've got the green light. What does it mean for us to try to steal second, if you will? Well, I just want you to know that you can't steal second. You can't live on mission for the Lord and remain right over here, just safely on first base. We're going to see that today. We're going to look at what does it take to make that first move toward what God has called you to do. He's given you the signal, if you will. The steal sign is on. It's time to go. What will it take for us to get there? The first step in order to move from where we are, launching out into where God wants us to be. Last week we saw in Matthew 28, a, a familiar passage for anybody who's been in church a long time, and maybe even if you've never been in church, maybe you sort of have heard of this idea of this great commission, that Jesus sent out the disciples to go and evangelize the world, to go and tell of the good news of Jesus Christ, that that's the responsibility of all Christians Not just a select few, not just those who get paid to stand up on a Sunday morning and talk about it. It's for all of us. It's an undeniable biblical responsibility that we have to go and be spiritual companions and leaders to make disciples of people who don't know Jesus Christ. Now that's really nothing new. Like I said, you probably have heard that before. And if you've been coming to Elm Grove for any length of time, you've heard me talk about that before. The problem is, though, is that we sometimes operate as if we're trying to get to second base with our foot still on first. 
We're not sure exactly what the first step is. Now this morning we're going to go way back into the Old Testament to learn what is our first step to take in living on mission. This idea of missional living, that my life is to be used by God, not for myself, but I am to have a completely outward, others-centered kind of life. What does that look like? What's the first step? I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And like I said, way back over in the Old Testament. As history is unfolding, this is one of the first stories that we get toward the beginning of the book of Genesis chapter 12. Now, just so you know, as a reminder, the Great Commission did not begin with Matthew chapter 28. Now, we know that as a summary of the mission of God through his people for the world. But this is just a continuation. Matthew 28 was only a continuation of what God had been doing since the beginning of recorded history in Genesis. God has always been shown to be a missionary God, meaning that he has always come to his people. We we saw that in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. And you would think at that point that, you know, if we were God, we'd just wipe them out and start over again. But God is shown to be coming to his people in Genesis 3 in the midst of their sin. When they're trying to hide from God, let me tell you this this morning. If you're trying to hide from God, he knows where you are. He's coming after you. He's going to find you. Now you can look at that as scary or you can look at that as the God of the Bible who's full of love and compassion and mercy wants to see you and meet with you in the midst of your sin so he can redeem you by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and save you for all eternity. You can look at it as God is throwing lightning bolts or that he loves you, which is more accurate in the Bible. God pursued Adam and Eve in the midst of their sin. He came to them. God has later shown when Moses was leading the Israelites through the wilderness after he led them out of slavery in Egypt, God said that I'll I'll lead you in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God was always with them. He'd always come to them and was visible to them. He was always there. And we later see that that God, in the fullness of his coming to his people, came in the form of Jesus Christ. He sent his very son, Jesus, the incarnation, it's known formally, to live a life that we couldn't live. Jesus lived perfectly. You realize that his life matters, not just his death and resurrection, but his life matters too, because you and I can't live perfectly. So Jesus did what we can't do. And then his death, of course, matters because that's what we deserve. We deserve to die. I was talking with a young man this week, and I said, do you know what punishment we deserve for our sin? And I said, death. You know what he said? He said, that's kind of harsh. I said, yeah, it is. I said, but when you consider how holy and perfect God is, one little sin deserves death. He cannot tolerate it. And yet, you know what he did? He died in our place. But he didn't stay dead. The great story is, the good news is that he didn't stay dead, that he was risen. God raised Jesus from the dead to promise eternal life for all who will believe. God came to us to demonstrate those things. And not only does God come to us in missionary form, but he also sends us. He is a sender of missionaries. We see that first in Genesis chapter 12. Three elements of this story of a man named Abram, who later is renamed Abraham, the father of nations. Three elements that I want us to look at this morning that highlight God's sending nature. That he has sent Abram, and this is the very beginning of his idea of sending his people out to reach the world. And so here's how we're going to learn to help us take our foot off of first base And move toward where God wants us to be. Genesis chapter 12 follows, if you're really smart, you'll know this, Genesis chapter 11. 
Now, what happens in Genesis chapter 11 is important to what happens in Genesis chapter 12. If you don't read the Bible that way, let me encourage you. Read the Bible sometime without the chapter marker. They weren't there from the very beginning. The verse markers were added later on. Chapters were divided later on. Read it as if it is one giant story of God's work in humanity. Chapter 11 leads us to chapter 12. Now, what we learn in chapter 11 is that right before the story of Abram begins in chapter 12, the world was not a very good place. In fact, after the flood and Noah's involvement in all of that and God's promise in chapter 9 that he would never flood the earth again and destroy it that way, God said to Noah and his family, I want you to spread out all over this world and populate it and fill the earth. You know what people did instead? They got to a certain point and they said, that's good enough. We're done. We're going to settle right here. And not only that, they said in chapter 11, we're going to build a monument to ourselves. We're going to celebrate our greatness and our autonomy from God, and we're going to show everybody how wonderful and great we are. And they built something that historically for us in the Bible has become known as the Tower of Babel. They said, look at how great we are. God, of course, was having none of that. And came down because the people had disobeyed him, came down among them, scattered them, confused their languages, and sent them all over the earth. But what we get in chapter 12 is no indication that their mindset had changed. All we can assume is that their mindset of autonomy, of being independent from God, of living on their own, of snubbing their noses, of rebellion, of open defiance, of spitting in the face of God, all of that simply continued further out. What's God going to do? I mean, in a world like that, what would God do? I mean, was he done? I mean, years had passed between chapter 11 and chapter 12. Was God, had he given up? Is he not paying attention? God, don't you know what's going on in the world? What are you going to do about this? But God wasn't done. God wasn't done with sinful people despite their open rebellion. God wasn't done with them despite despite their, their blatant disregard for him. And God's solution came in the very first words of verse 1 of chapter 12 when he says, The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land. To extend his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his mission to a lost world, God began with one man. And he commissioned him for a special work among those people who had so denied God. The language here is very, very specific. It's go out. The Hebrew indicates that this was a direct command from God with an expected immediate response. Not a suggestion. Not a, let's begin a dialogue, Abram, about what we would do about this mess that the world is in. Abram, go. In fact, it literally means, you'll see this as the first blank in your bulletin, go away. That's literally what it means. Get out of here. Go away from here. Get out. Now, God's not mad at Abram. This isn't some punishment for him. This is Abram. It's time for you to go away from here. And we'll see so that God can use him. So that was God's plan to send one man and his family to where God wanted them so he could use them for a very special purpose in his mission to redeem the world. Now, I want you to think about our world today. I just described the world that Abram was living in at the time. If you think about what we see on social media and the news and what we hear from the most influential people in our world, we understand that our culture really is not that different. We, we live in a world where people care for no one really but themselves. They have complete disregard for God and His authority. You've said all these things. 
They're autonomous, they believe. They, they believe they answer to no one but themselves. What they say, well, that's the truth. What they feel, that's their guide. People build their lives as monuments to themselves, just like the people did in Genesis chapter 11. They live in blatant and open rebellion against the God of the universe. They spit in the face of a God they say doesn't even exist. What's God going to do? Is he done? I mean, maybe he's given up. Maybe he doesn't care anymore. Maybe he's not even really paying attention. But I want to say to you that just as what we see in Genesis chapter 12, I believe that in our world today, God's not done yet. I don't believe he's done with sinful people just because they rebel against him. The entire course of the Bible shows us that God continues to pursue sinful people. That he sent his son to redeem sinful people. I don't believe God's done. I don't believe God's done with people in our world today in spite of their blatant disregard and their open and defiant disbelief in him. I don't think he's done. And in fact, I think his solution is very similar to what he told Abram in Genesis chapter 12. I think his solution today is the exact same thing. It's for people like you and people like me and churches like ours to hear the words that he said to Abram, go away. Get out there. Go away from where you are. Leave first base and start moving toward where I've called you to go. That's God's plan. You realize God's plan to fix all of this stuff is to use you and me and us? For us to join Him in His mission of love and grace and compassion and truth and redemption of this sinful and unbelieving world. That's what God has designed us for, His people, to send us out into that. He's always been using His people for his mission. That hasn't changed. It began with Abram, continued with Moses. We see it in the prophets. We saw it in Jesus. We saw it in the apostles. And it's still true for you and for me today. His solution for the world that we live in is the same message. Go away. Maybe he's saying to me, go away. Maybe he's saying to you, go away. To us, Elm Grove, go away from where you are so that you can be used by God. Take your foot off of first base. Get a lead and go. But what does that mean? I mean, that's really, that's really good stuff. I'm just going to tell you. Well, that's motivating. I mean, that's, that, preachers should say, well, that'll preach. That's really, I mean, that, but what does it mean? I mean? What are we supposed to do with that? You know, I can fire you up and say, oh, you know, go, go get it done. Leave first base and everybody, all right, I'm ready to go. And you just think, well, wasn't that neat? What's really involved though? L- last week I, I, I'd talk to you, if you were here, you'll remember, and if not, I've I've got some extra cards, and maybe you'd like to participate. I gave you a a go card. Now, you've got a different one inside your bulletin this week, but last week's was was green on the background. And the idea was that during these ten weeks of this sermon series, that we we would focus on one person or one group, maybe somebody that God has just burdened us with, somebody we live with, we're friends with, we work with, whatever. And and our one for ten, our one person, our one group in that ten weeks, that's who we're trying to very naturally, very intentionally, and then certainly continually try to, to do things in their lives that would, would help us to be a spiritual companion or leader, to help us make disciples of that person or that group. But you know, the, the truth is that last week, many of you filled out these cards and said, hey, I'm on my way to you. But we come this morning and we're not totally sure how to start. What does that mean? 
What should I do? I'm ready to go, but maybe you've got some things holding you back. I want to dig in a little deeper to what God was telling Abram to do, and maybe that'll help us to learn what should we do. So let's continue as we go through this a little bit more. That word go, he says, go out from your land, but it's more than a direct command. In fact, God used, and and you may want to make a note of this somewhere there on your bulletin or maybe in your Bible or something like that, that God used, when he says go, that word was was a loaded word. It's a loaded statement that God gave him. It indicates that Abram was to go without any definite destination. That's the word, that word go is what he's used. Now we, we have one word go, and then you say where. When, a, when Abram was told this, he understood that God wasn't saying where, he was just saying go. In fact, he was indicating that Abram would not know where. That was the kind of word that he used here. Abram, I want you to go, but you're going to move out from here without really having any, any indication of where you're going. You're going on a trip, Abram, with no end point. You're just taking a road trip. No map and no idea of what's going to happen along the way. Just go. Not only that, Abram, he says, but I want you to go out from your land. Look at verse 1. Go out from your land. Now, even more so than now, back then in ancient times, someone's homeland was extremely important to them. And it was their identity. It was unheard of during this time to journey away from your homeland for anything more than a temporary journey just you're coming back for god to call abram to do something like this was was completely completely unheard of it was expected that people would would simply desire to stay right where they were now some of you understand this some of you have grown up here and around this area and you live very close right now to the piece of ground that you were raised on I mean, you can look out the window and you see it, and there it is. And maybe you live on it. You've built a house on it or whatever. And, and so for you, 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 would, you would think it's kind of crazy for you to consider moving anywhere else. And in fact, if your kids grow up and move somewhere else, it'll kill you. I mean, it, it just you'll be devastated. You'll be depressed until they decide it's time for them to move back. And, and they'll kind of keep you hanging with maybe, yeah, I will one day. And so that's enough hope for you. I don't know. But, but you, you know, it would break your heart because your identity is here. I mean, your livelihood has always been here. I mean, you're, this place is important to you. It's a part of you, and you're a part of it. It gives you an idea of what Abram was dealing with. When God says to go out from your land, it's the same thing as if God showed up to you today and said, I want you to sell everything here, and I want you to move somewhere else. And you'd say, God, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you, you've knocked on the wrong door. I think next door is where you need to go. I've been trying to get rid of them anyway. Go down there. <laughs> There were things that Abram would desperately miss about his homeland, for sure. You know, his identity would no longer be associated with that place. He would just be a journeyman, a traveler. But there were some things that God knew about his homeland that Abram would need to leave as well, because it was a godless place. It was a place where the worship of the moon god was prevalent. And so God was calling Abram not just to leave his former identity, but also to leave behind the possibility of falling into that trap as well. God had a bigger purpose. He says, Abram, I want you to go away from your land, go away from your relatives and your father's house, he says in verse 1. Now, if the homeland was one thing that was important to people, you can imagine that family, especially close family, was even more important. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. This wasn't a world in which people struck out on pioneering adventures like we've seen so often through American history. This wasn't done. It wasn't like they grew up and you sent them off to college and go make your way in the world. That's not exactly the way things were. They grew up 
and started working right where they were, and they stayed there forever. So for somebody to not only leave their homeland, their country, but to leave all their people, all their family, all that had defined him, God called Abram to leave. Everything that had been so secure, God said, I want you to make a distinct break with your past, and I want you to follow me from this point on. And then he says at the end of verse 1, I want you to go out from your land to the land that I will show you. That's some destination, isn't it? Are we there yet? Tell you when we get there. Hey, God, um, is this it? Tell you when we get there. You know, eventually you figure Abram probably stopped asking, are we there yet? Unlike kids on a long journey to Disney World, they, Abram probably stopped asking. The epitome of Abram's life from this point on was one of a, a journeyman, a traveler, a sojourner, somebody who who just followed God wherever he would lead. Abram, God says, I'm not done with this sinful world. I still love them. I still have compassion. My heart still breaks for them. I still created them. They're still the object of my affection. And Abram, I'm not done with them. And I'm going to use you. (laughs) I'm going to send you. So I want you to go. I want you to leave behind both the good and the bad of your past. And I've got something incredible that I'm going to do in and through you, and I want you to go, but I need you to follow me. And I'm going to give you this brand new land to live in. He says also in verse 2, though, he says, I also will make you into a great nation. Now, Abram, I know you're 75 years old and you don't have any kids. But you know what I mean when I say I'm going to make you into a great nation, right? You're not just going to be the governor of some place. That nation is going to come from you. They will be your children and your descendants. And you say, well, 75 years old, back during Bible times, that's not really that old, I guess. Abram lived to be about 125, certainly longer than many of us live today. But he's in the last third of his life. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to use your lineage to be a blessing to all the nations, to all the peoples of the world. He says, as you journey along, follow me, I will bless you. And I will make your name great. He says, Abram, people have tried to do this. Just look back in Genesis 11. They tried to do this to make their own name great, to make a name for themselves. He says, Abram, I'm going to do that for you. People will know you far and wide as someone who loves God, who is loved by God, and who is blessed by Him. And he says in verse 2, and you will be a blessing. You're going to be a channel, Abram, of my love and grace and compassion and mercy and my favor. For all the people you meet along the way. And he says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who treat you with contempt. Abram, I've got you back. You're never going to go alone. I'm calling you out of where you are, but you are not going alone. I've got your back. If anybody blesses you, if they treat you with honor and grace, that's what will be returned to them. If they treat you with contempt, I'm just going to render them completely ineffective as if they are no threat to you whatsoever. And he says, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the mission that God had for a very sinful, awful, God-hating kind of world. was to send out one man. He says, Abram, do you get it? I'm with you. I'm on your side. It's time for you to take that first step away from first base to get a lead and to go. Now, it's not difficult to draw some applications from Abram's story to us. I mean, it's pretty easy to see that just as Abram's call to obey God was on his life, that 
Time for him to go away from what previously defined him, what was comfortable, what could have held him back, what kept his foot on first base. That the same is true for all of God's people, and that is, what is it that's holding you back this morning? What's got your foot stuck there on first base? And you say, I know God has called me to leave and to move forward. I'm stuck. How is it that God wants you to make a fresh start this morning? Maybe that's why you came. You're just seeking a fresh start. And you'd look at Abram's story and you'd say, here's a guy who said, I'm no longer going to be identified with these things and I'm going to give my life completely to the Lord and now I'm identified with these. Maybe that's for you, the decision. I love the next part. God says, go away. And in verse 4 it says, so Abram went. Go away. So he went. Isn't that great? You don't get this conversation. You you just get that God said, go away. And I mean now. And Abram said, okay. And he went now. Or at least as quickly as he could get everything together. And again, that word went there. As, so Abram went. It's the past tense of the word go. Which means that he went, Hebrews tells us, not having any clue where he was going. God didn't reveal to him somewhere between verse 3 and verse 4 where he was going to wind up. God said, go. I'll show you when we get there. Abram took off. Packed his junk, put it there, and left. All right, God, let me get everything together. Here we go. Where are we going? I'll show you when we get there. All right. Good enough for me, he says. He went as God had told him. Lot went with him. He went even though it says in verse 4, Abram was 75 years old. I wonder if you're in that latter third of your life. You think God can use you anymore? I mean, is God done with you? You say, I'm too old. Talk to Abram about being too old. Don't tell me. You think you're too old for God to use you? Talk to God. 25 years later, he had his first child at 100 years old. That was old then. It wasn't like it was just he was a spring chicken. At 100 years old, in fact, his wife, who was 90 at the time, laughed and said, there's no way. Don't you ever believe for a single second. Listen to me, if you're in the the latter third of your life, don't you ever believe for a second that God's done with you. He's not done with you. He's not. Your role may change a little bit. You may not physically be able to do some of the things you you were able to do earlier in life, but God's not done with you yet. He's not done with you living on mission for him. It's not time to retire spiritually. It's not. I praise God for the people here. And maybe some need to hear it as an inspiration this morning. I don't know. But I praise God for so many who say, God's not done with me yet. Listen, I, I, I may be older, but God's not done with me. Abram went, even though he was 75 years old. And then look, he took with him, it says, his wife, his nephew, all the possessions they'd accumulate, and the people he'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. He took with him everything God would use to be a blessing to him and for him to be a blessing to others. I want you to hear this. That God had already built into Abram's life everything that he would use along the way to bless Abram and to make him a blessing. God has built into your life already what needs to be there. That one for ten that you wrote down last week, that person, that group that you've you've got on your mind and heart, God has already built into your life what he wants there in order for you to be able to reach that person and make a disciple. Your experiences, your giftings, your history, your story the things you're interested in, where you go to school, where you work, all that stuff. It's not there by accident. 
It's exactly what God wants built into your life so that maybe you can earn some credibility and trust with a group or with a person that God is sending you to. I've told you before, and I say this just as an example, just as an illustration, a way to show you how God uses this stuff. I had the special privilege when I was playing at Murray State to play in more games than anybody ever has in Murray State history. It's the one record I think I'm still tied for. All-time games played. Do you know why that matters? Not because anybody really cares. (laughs) They think, well, okay. Not because it's gotten me any kind of, of accolades and awards. I mean, I, don't, I didn't get a medal for any of that stuff. But you know what? A couple of years ago when the coach introduced me to the team as a guy who was just going to kind of be around, you know what he said? He said, this guy has played in more games than anybody in Murray State history. And it hit me right then. You know what, God? I didn't realize it 15, 20 years ago. But you're going to use that for something. Those guys immediately thought, huh. And they began to listen. I just say that because what has God done in your life? What, what are you good at? What are you interested in? What story do you have to tell? I guarantee you this, it's perfect for what God wants to use you for. Have you ever stopped to consider that? You say, who am I? And I say, you're perfect for what God wants to do in you. Not only did Abram go, but we see in the latter part of the scripture that he kept going. Go away, God said. So he went and he kept going. When they came to the land of Canaan, the end of verse 5, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem, the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your offspring. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. He built an altar to Yahweh there and he called on the name of Yahweh. Then verse 9, then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. Now this is, this is not there by accident. Understand when God called him to set out, that he left his homeland, a major population center during the time, and he went there from there to Shechem, where a lot of main highways and trade routes came together, so a very important place. And then from there he traveled to Bethel, which was a place where a lot of spring waters were, so very fertile land, desirable for settling. And then from there, God continued to lead him. It says, by stages, further and further he went. He just kept going to an area known as the Negev, which means dry. Its climate was dry. Not nearly as desirable a place as Bethel or Shechem or his homeland. But he kept going further and further. Wherever God led him, that's where he went. And so the remainder of his life, this is what he is. He's epitomized by this idea of, of I'm on a journey. I'm on a quest. I don't, I don't have this earth anymore as my true home. I'm on a quest to live out the life of God among the people he sent me to. And all along the way, he just worships the Lord building these altars, calling on the name of the Lord. And he just says, God, I know you've called me to these people, and I'm just going to demonstrate who you are. I'm going to live out the life of God among these people. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to let him live his life through me. That's what Abram did. This wasn't an easy journey, but he never shrunk back from it. He said, this world is no longer my home. I'm on a journey with God, and wherever he leads me, that's where I'll go. There's so much for us to learn this morning and to apply from this 
simple story, these nine verses, you learn a lot about the character of God, that He's not done with His world. That He's a God of love and compassion, a God of mission, who calls people and sends them out right where they are. He's a God of grace and mercy, compassion. We learn about what discipleship, about what following God is all about. That Abram had to make a break with his past. Symbolic of our need to repent of the sins in our life and turn toward our Savior, Jesus Christ. To make a break and to say, Lord, no longer will I be identified and defined by these things. But Lord, I'm turning to you. We also learn about the mission that God has for his people. That he sent us out. And we don't just go to work every day and draw a paycheck. We don't just go to school and try to get by as best we can. We don't just play on that team so that we can win some games and earn some awards. That we truly are sent by God to wherever we go each day. It's always been His plan to send out His people, to bless them and to make them a blessing to others. I told you last week, I've got three goals for this sermon series. One is to increase your understanding of what missional living, this life on mission is all about. To, to help us understand that our focus is not to be inward, but to be completely outward. What does that look like? How, how is that supposed to play out in your life? What, what does that mean in your life? I want you to understand that better. Secondly, the second goal is that, that you'd be more motivated to do those things. Because the truth is that some of us have Christians, we just, eh, I don't really care. I'm just going to take care of me and mine and you know what, live and let live. But I want you to see that God never did that. God has never left people alone. He's always been a missionary God coming to his people and sending his people out and want us to be motivated to join God by our love for him and our love for others. And the third goal is that, that you would increase your application, that you do these things. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I know what I should be doing. I'm really, really motivated to do it, but am I doing it? Well, no, not really. Boy, I know it, and I'm excited about it. I want you to do these things. I want me to, to do these things. And so I want you to consider again who it was last week that you wrote down on your one for ten card, or maybe who you would write down, that person, that group that God has just said, that's who I'm sending you to. That's who I want you to love on. That's who I want you to reach. I want you to consider again that person, that group. And on that other card that's there in your bulletin, your, your second go card. Now, we may not have one of these for every week, but we're going to populate this board again, and I want to give you some time to spend with this this morning. But in order to reach, and you'll see a little way you can write this on your bulletin for you to take home and then on the card so that you can leave it here and I'll pray over these things. But in order to reach your one for ten, what is it that you need to go away from? Beginning right now. Is it fear? I mean, first base is safe. They can't get you out over here. <laughs> is, it, is it apathy? You just know, you know, honestly, I just don't care. Is it doubt? Is it your comfort? You know, just, oh, you don't understand. I don't like taking risks. I don't know what's going to happen. Is it some sin in your life that you know that's what's keeping your foot on first base? You're unwilling to step out because if people found out that's in your life, they'd never listen to you. Is it a wrong attitude about people? Is it prejudice? Is it anger? Is it hatred? 
Is it self-focused? I mean, what would you write down to say, in order to reach my one for ten, I'm going away from this. And on that card, that go card, if you'd just be honest, and I'm not going to ask you to sign it, I'm not going to look at the handwriting and have forensic experts come in and track who it is. I just, I just, would you be willing to say, as a, as a confession to the Lord and as a public declaration that, that we'll put on this board to say, beginning now, in order to reach the people God wants me to reach, I'm going away from this. Whatever it is. This morning, I, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to, to leave those cards here. Maybe you need to spend some time and take it with you and bring it back. That's fine. But that's the commitment this morning. The, the, the response this morning to say, this is what I'm leaving behind. And then let me tell you this week, let me give you something positive to do as well. You know how God said, Abram, I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing. I want you to figure out some way you can go out of your way to be a blessing to that one for ten. I mean, what can you do? Is there a word that you can say to them? Is there something you can give them? Is there some way that you can meet a need in their life? What is it that you can do to go out of your way to be a blessing? You can't steal second with your foot on first base. Church, we're never going to reach this community, ever. And I mean truly see it altered for the glory of Jesus Christ if we stay right where we are in our minds and in our hearts, and even sometimes physically. We can't do it. That's never been how people are reached. It's always been by God sending His people out, yes, into what they don't know is going to happen. Do you trust God enough to take a lead off first base and go when He says go? In the closing moments here in just a second, as the song is being played and as we stand to sing a hymn of response, Maybe you need to take that little go-kart and you just want to come and spend some time with God and you say, I'm going to leave that right there. That's why I'm, I'm literally, I'm going to go away from that. I'm writing it down, I'm going to pray over it, and I'm leaving it. Maybe you want to hand it to me on the way out, I don't know. But what is it God has called you to walk away from this morning so that you can serve Him and you can reach people? And then how can you be an absolute overwhelming blessing to that person, that group, this week? Let's pray together. God, help us this morning. Convict us, Lord, we pray. Show us what it is that's keeping our foot on first base. God, give us courage to write it down, to pray over it, to leave it behind, and to begin to take the very practical steps this week to be a blessing in the life of someone else so that we can indeed leave those things behind us. Help us. Lord, make us a church of courage and of willingness to take a risk. A church that follows you no matter where you lead us. A church that when you say go away, we go. And we keep going. Thank you, Lord, that you've not left us to our own sinful devices, but you sent Jesus to save us from our sins. Lord, out of that response to you, out of, out of recognizing what you've done in our lives, Lord, may we be those kinds of people of grace and compassion for the sinful, awful world that we live in. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.